0: This is the Steelers Standard
1: on Steelers Nation Radio on Steelers.com. So the headlines were obviously all Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett. Who? He's wearing number eight, by the way. I'm sure you saw that over the weekend. Stealing. The official jersey is in the team
0: store. Go to PittsburghSteelers.com. Get your team store. How Get do you, your jersey now. How do you feel about him stealing Steelers legend? Tommy, Tommy Maddox, Maddox number, number. Eight. <laughs> You know... It is just funny how a quarterback
1: like Tommy Maddox can work his way into your mind's eye for the rest of your life because he was not a good quarterback, but no, he, he had not. a couple of.
0: I think he had okay one year, one really good, one really one, good year. Yeah. They went like thirteen and three
1: at him at the helm. But I mean, come on, the defense was doing a lot of heavy L. lifting I. back then, and pretty good Hall of Fame running back, he was able to turn back and hand the ball off to as well. So I think there were some other factors that had to do with him rising to greatness, but it's just funny that you weren't the first person that said to me when I said, Hey, number eight, Sticking with Kenny Pickett, college to pro, Everybody's, that went, hey, Tommy Maddox jersey, just need to replace the nameplate now. You don't even have to worry about getting a new jersey altogether.
0: Everybody's first thought when they it's see Tommy the Maddox is not Tommy that Maddox. great. Like, I know, it's wild. No, it's a terrible person to associate with a number, but that's just what we do. And you know why? It's because it's a quarterback. Yeah. Right? I mean, we, we've seen guys take on, I think Isaiah Loudermilk has 92. Yeah, your first thought is James Harrison, but it's not 92 has to be James Harrison. 53 taken by Kendrick Green. If Kendrick Green sticks around for a decade, maybe a little bit longer, like, uh, uh, wow, I was like Cam Hayward, like Marquise Pouncey did. 53 is shareable between those two guys. There is, there really is no, I think, number that can be associated with one guy. 75. Yeah, Steelers. of course. I mean, and then quarterback numbers: 12, seven, eight. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> 10, slash ten for Cordell, right? But hopefully, this number eight can play a little bit actual
1: better football, and maybe he will completely wipe away the memory of Tommy Gun Maddox. Yes, that's the hope. Number eight will be forever Kenny Pickett in a lot of people's
0: eyes. You don't want—that's want, lo- what you're hoping for. You don't want Kenny Pickett to have the to same To be another Tommy Maddox. Exactly. Yeah, to be the same name association. And then that number eight
1: first <laughs> number for Steelers quarterbacks, and Did it's it, ugh. Didn't Mitch take number ten? Yeah, I think he did. He's from Chicago and Buffalo. That was a good Chicago accent. Thank you. What's
0: a Buffalo accent? So we've got
1: Tommy Maddox. Is there a Buffalo accent? I don't know, but we've got Tommy Maddox and we've got Cordell Stewart (laughs) back as our one-two punch at the (laughs) quarterback It's a great way to start the year. But beyond just the quarterback pick, which is obviously driving all of the sports talk and and all of the real analysis of the Steelers draft— There were other picks made, ladies and gentlemen, and I got to be honest with you. I think the Steelers, as Kevin Colbert has so often done in his career, crushed it in the second day and in the third day with the the fourth through seventh round. The first
0: pick and the third day, yeah.
1: But let's start with George Pickens, their second-round pick on Friday night, number fifty-two overall, the wide receiver out of Georgia, a guy that has all the measurables. He's six foot three. I mean. He has strong catching abilities. He tracks the ball out of the air. Um, He's more of an outside threat than a slot receiver, which is good because I think the Steelers are looking to get more of that outside threat. Deontay kind of, now that Juju's gone, reminds me of a better slot guy. And another wide receiver that we're going to get to that they picked on Saturday with that first selection he really, really slots into that slot, no pun intended, based <laughs> on his measurables. But, you know, the the big story out of Pickens, and I think a couple people like Todd McShay said, that they think he was the steal of the draft as far as the wide receiver position was concerned. Because it was a loaded class, and he wasn't even a top five wide receiver just based on me- merit alone. But he fell a bit because of some off-the-field stuff, you know, some attitude problems. And And you
0: saw that on the field, too. With Georgia Tech, yeah. I believe he tried to fight somebody He got into a big fight. But it's your rival. He's got a a, a chip, not a chip on his shoulder, but he brings a chip to the field. He does. And I don't think that that
1: is something to be crazy worried about right now. I mean— no, but the, I know the a lot of people is, will be like, oh, AB, here comes exactly. the drama. It's, case for the Steelers. it's Juju, chid, chid, it's the, Claypool. It's the same kind of right. cut from the same cloth here. I don't know if that's fair
0: to the young man to completely just write him off that way. You know what I like about him? Is the fact that this kid could have gone to the pros last year, decided to. Win a national title. Yeah. I mean, play, play for one of the best teams in college football history. Right. That is something that you don't. Con- what no, does that, who does that remind you of, Tom? Coming back for one more year when you didn't have to to kind of hone your skills a little bit further and win a national title game. Who does that remind you of? Joe Burrow.
1: I'm Kenny say Pickett.
0: Najee Harris. Najee Harris. I mean, it reminds me of a lot of people. I know Pickett didn't win the national championship game, specifically but he came back to, to hone this his team And that circumstance, come back for one more year when you didn't have to win a national championship. Najee Harris did exactly that.
1: And, and you know, I think that you can never go wrong... When you select from the Blue Bloods. I think right? that that's yeah. something...
0: Especially this team, this
1: Georgia team. And we're going to talk to Bob Labriole in our next episode. He's going to join us to do a draft recap. for camp. that. That's something that he's going to absolutely agree with because he's always saying you can't go wrong shopping at alabama you can't go wrong shopping at ohio state well georgia's now become one of those teams for sure i mean they set the record for the most players drafted in a single draft class with 15 of their national championship players including mr pickens here being picked up into the nfl i mean five of their defensive players went in the first round of the draft And their best defensive player, potentially, N'Kobe Dean, didn't end up going until the third round with the Philadelphia Eagles. And he could could be the best best, of all of them. So historic year for Georgia and Pickens is a part of that. And, again, I love the number one potential of him. And like I was saying, Todd McShay, other draft Knicks, they think that he was a first-round talent that yeah. just fell because people were wondering. There's so much talent in these wide receiver classes that don't have the question marks off and even on uh-huh. the field that we'll take them, and they're just as talented as Pickens. Why risk it? Well, the Steelers saw all of those other big guys go off the board, and rightfully so. They needed. They chose Pickett, and that was the, the bed that they wanted to get in. Right. And now they have this guy, maybe has a couple problems here or there, Coach Tomlin, we trust you to maybe coach that out of him. And you know, we, we like the environment we're building in our locker room now. You know, we're trying to get the distraction out of uh-huh. there. So maybe you can bring Pickens into an environment that'll, you know, kind of beat that stuff out of him, not literally beat it out of him, but you know, figuratively get that kind of mindset away, make it all about football. And if that's the case, you might have found, you know, the third best wide receiver in this draft class when it's all said and done, or, or something to that degree, at number 52 in the draft.
0: With how many of the wide receivers taken before him? Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. Was seven, eight, I mean, more than well, that, Well, there was,
0: I believe, five, five taken of, in the first round. Six. Six? Because there was
1: that run of six between right. uh, picks number eight when the Falcons started off with Drake London. And then, and then the Saints went right after. Yeah, so, like, that... In the first round alone, then you know, Christian Watson goes to the Packers early right. in round two as they get their Good for the Packers. They trade up again. <laughs> they finally figured out that they needed to get one of these wide receivers. But here's the thing. I I I I mean, this is completely speaking out of my backside right now. But part of me wants to put money down on George Pickens being a better wide receiver than that. Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. The I only mean, reason why...
0: Uh, look, Just looking at the
1: highlight packages, you would think that it would be picking. The
0: only way you can make the argument against that is that Rodgers is throwing the ball. Well,
1: and for Rogers a year, can... maybe,
0: for two years. Yeah, sure, like, sure. I'm saying, like this year though, who could have the better rookie season? It could be Watson, just because. Let me throw
1: a little devil's advocate yeah, at you there. Then let's hear it. That could be harder for a rookie quarterback to deal with, trying to be the new Devonte Adams, and Rogers is putting the ball at your back shoulder while your back's turned to him, and, and you're supposed to turn and kick the ball right away, and you don't have that. So Rogers, out, is as used opposed to... to Pickens, who's yeah. going to be working with a rookie and Kenny Pickett, a fourth year, fifth year guy, in Mitch Trubisky, really restarting his career anyway. Less pressure for Pickens when you're working with someone for sure. kind of more closer to your resume.
0: You know what I mean? Rodgers, I mean, you see it when he doesn't target in the past, when he didn't target Devontae Adams. He would throw the same balls that he threw to Devontae Adams to his other yeah, receivers. You, got, you have to come and you meet saw him. Like, you saw no, the frustration yeah. on his face when they wouldn't make the effort or, or get the catch done because Devontae Adams is as talented as it gets as a wide receiver in the National Football League. And I guess he just has that expectation of every single pass catcher on his team. So I can I can clearly see the point you're trying to make there.
1: Yeah, you know, meet you at your level. He expects no, you to rise up to his. All. So, yeah, that could be tough. But then again, it could also be if that rookie is
0: as talented as people say And, think able, he is, and yeah. has
1: the right mental attitude about it, he could he Step literally up. could hit the lottery big time. Because right. you start your career off with three years with the MVP, and you're his go-to guy. Whew. You're going to make yourself a lot of money. But anyway, back to Pickens, you know, just to to refocus it here before we move on to the next pick. This guy, to me, is the guy other than Kenny Pickett that I'm the most excited for in this draft class. And maybe you could say that's cliche that, oh, you're the most excited for the number one and the number two overall picks. Like, wow, that's great. Really going out on a limb there. But you can screw up your number one and your number two overall picks. That can happen. The Patriots did it. I mean, we just saw that, that last, last week during the draft. So, right. I obviously don't need to explain why I'm excited for Kenny Pickett, but for George Pickens, uh, any time that I hear these experts, and, you know, I I don't put a ton of stock into a Kuiper or a McShay, but, like, they do know what they're talking about as far as the evaluating of these guys, as far as where they're actually going to go. They can swing and miss a lot sometimes, but they're pretty familiar with their actual skill set and how they might translate to the pros. And when I see them saying, wow, this is a steal, first-round talent, I had a first-round grade on this guy, this guy could be one of the better receivers in this class, it's all just off the guess that's the problem. Like, And I think that that can kind of be what that is right now is BS. I mean, especially sure. because it wasn't like egregiously bad things that he did right. off the field, keeping him out of the draft completely. Just, a little, couple character issues. Every, Did you see that every video? Every single player in the draft, every year, not every single player, but every draft year, there's players that have character issues called into the question and it drops their star. Sure, yeah. Even if it's not fair. And even if they maybe they're just a little bit of a cactus. You know what I mean? They're a little prickly off the field right. and people don't like them. So bad word of mouth comes around and you get dropped to the 50 second. It's, it's like thing.
0: that scene in Moneyball. Where the scouts are saying, yeah, like, "Ugly exactly. girlfriend, means no, no confidence,", confidence. and he's, Brad Pitt's just no, like, "Blah blah 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 blah, blah." There's blah, no barrier blah, blah, to that. Blah. Yeah, just look at the numbers.
1: And the numbers are telling me that this six foot three receiver who played for the national champion Georgia Bulldogs as one of their biggest targets in their passing game, he's worth the chance that you're going to take on him, especially at the 52nd overall pick, because you could have potentially had. Two first round picks when it's all said and done with Pickett and him, and and you're getting one in the middle to the end of the second round. That's just incredible value, and that's something that we should be used to from Kevin Colbert. And in his last draft that he just gifted us with this year, I think he did the exact same thing. He just found value after value as he kept moving through the draft. And I think that next pick in round three was just a, another example of that. Well, and, before, Jacob, it was the only pick in our mock draft
0: 4.0 that we got exactly right. Same round, same player. And you're going to say? The reason why—well, no, no, I'll, I'll, we can move on to pick number three. But what was so funny about our, our last mock draft, our mock draft 4.0, was we were saying this seems the most unrealistic because— in our second round, we also went Travis Jones. Yeah, we went two
1: defensive and tackles. And so we thought who they could have done in this year's draft. They by could the way. have done. He was, the, and he was available.
0: And They could have gotten uh, what's his name in the fourth. Um, just blanking on who they actually took. Demarvin Leal. No, 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 no. no. Oh, um, the wide receiver, you mean? Yeah. In the yeah, first yeah our wide round, receiver, Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin, the third. So it could have worked out that way, where instead of going receiver, D-tackle, receiver, we, you go D-tackle, we D-tackle, wide receiver. We went the route of two D-tackles, and they went the route of two, two wide receivers. receivers. Which, which I'm okay I mean, those with. were
1: the two positions I think we
0: debated and said those were you'd double up on, is either at the D-line or either at the the wide receiver And spot. before we talk about and get in depth with Liao here, what has been reiterated so many times now since the draft is finished is the message should be clear that, you and I went in with the men going with two defensive linemen, one receiver. The Sealers went in with the opposite, which should tell you Man. that you that the Sealers feel comfortable with the players that they have on the defensive line, possibly signifying that Stephon Tewitt will be available, will play this year. Here's another devil's advocate thing for you, though. We love playing this game, the devil's advocate. I kind
1: of do feel like you're right about that and that they're kind of being hush-hush about it, but their actions are speaking for them, and their actions are saying that they kind of think he's going to be back in some capacity. Maybe not right away, maybe not at the beginning of the year, but he's going to be back at some point this year. But then I think about it on the other hand, and I'm listening to you know Terrell Austin speak about DeMarvin Leal, and people talk about what Leal can do for the team, and... First of all, it's a lot of pressure once you start to get towards past the first and second round picks and you start talking about what you can do for the team expectations yada yada yada. That's starting to build a lot of pressure I think for a player that, you know, isn't exactly the cream of the crop when it comes to this prospect group. But anyway, the main theme was this guy can play all over the line. Like this guy is listed as a defensive tackle but don't put him in that box this guy can go on the outside he can play on the end if he needs to he can jump into the middle if he has to like so there's a lot of versatility coming with the Say Steph to is there, and you have Tuitt, Alu-Alu, and Hayward. Now you've got kind of your your jack-of-all-trades in Leo that can fill in for Hayward or Alu-Alu or Tuitt, wherever he needs to jump Whichever one he
0: needs to replace.
1: Or Ooh. if Tuitt is unfortunately not there, you bump Alu-Alu out to the outside where he's got experience doing that. You have them Hayward and him as your outside, and Leal just hopefully ready to do so, slides in as your defensive tackle for the majority of the season. And that way, when you put him at D-tackle, I think you create an opportunity to create a rotation with guys like Wormley, maybe Loudermilk, so you can take a little bit off of Leal's plate while having Alu-Alu and obviously Hayward take a lion's share of the portion when it comes to playing that defensive end spot. So that's the way I read it and that versatility. Obviously, he's got a lot of potential just as a player alone. But that versatility, I think, is is really, really um, attractive for the Steelers. That is preparing for the worst but hoping for the best. Good, well said. Yeah. I agree with that. And I really do but hope Liao for the best do... because he'd be such a good— And not only would he be good now just as far as looking at the team in a 2022 vacuum— but as far as his development's concerned, I mean Leo would be better served as the fourth man, you know, just sp- filling in all over the place. And the like line.
0: just learning with all three of those guys, uh, Cam, Stefan, Tuit and Tyson, all playing. He can he not you know, it's so much harder to learn from someone, like I'm sure like a Wormley or or now in this case a Leal, to learn from a Tyson or a Stefan Tuit when they're not even playing. Like, they can tell you all these things to look for, but it's so much easier to learn when you're seeing it in action, right? And so to have Stefan Tewin and Tyson Alualu back, I'm sure it would be, yeah, it would be better for the Steelers overall, but I'm sure it would be better for Liao to be in practice next to these guys rather than have them on the sidelines and have them do some constructive criticism after every play.
1: Now, we mentioned this when we talked about our Pickens pick, but they decided to go with their... Second wide receiver in a three round span with Austin or Calvin Austin, the third. I'm going to call him Austin Cauley. I just know it at some point. What a name. Right, though, but they sound kind of similar. Yeah, but Calvin Austin, the third wide receiver out of Memphis. This is a Matt Canada pick, right? I mean, this guy fits the Matt Canada offensive mold. And Jacob, let me clear my throat real quick. You're going to hate me when I say this. This is kind of good insurance. I'm nervous. This is kind of good insurance for if Deontay Johnson. Deontay, walks, yep. Right? Because it's kind of the same mold of a player. He's five foot eight. He's 170 pounds. 4'3 40 yard dash. He's got incredible speed. He's got the ability to make people miss after the catch. Uh, he's a guy that you pass the ball to in short yardage and you hope he makes it a longer gain. I want both of them to stay, and I want Deontay Johnson. But the money that he's been asking for, and in our last episode today, we're going to get into the receiver landscape around the NFL as a whole and the money that's just being been going around. Because it's been topsy turvy. Crazy. The last and the money, the market's resetting itself every week, it right. seems. And the money's just out of control. And Deontay Johnson's going to want a piece of that pie. Well, it's not always the best business to pay a receiver that much money if he's not. A.J. Brown, Debo Sant, you know what I mean. Like if he's not there, and Deontay's just unfortunately not there, so my initial thought was, oh, that's the guy who's going to replace Deontay Johnson in two years. But I could also see him as an earlier player on this team, you know, as as his rookie self. I could see him definitely sliding into some jet sweep action, some oh, yeah. some really Canada esque offensive stuff. Not it feels- not necessarily running routes for this team deep downfield. But just get the ball in his hands so he can make some plays with his speed. And his fit is naturally in the slot, like we said. I mean, his size dictates that. But they did say in his write-up here on ESPN.com, his speed is such a weapon that he could be used on the outside, too, from time to time if you need him to. So Well, you're
0: going to have him sweep all the way around. It's, just, I li-
1: it's a playmaker right there that you went to draft. Uh, you're trying to draft a playmaker, and I like that. And Absolutely. You, you want to talk about the receiving room that was, what, Three weeks ago, Claypool and Johnson. He signed Boykin, and now you've got these two draft picks. Now we've got a packed receiving room, and Miller and Boykin. I I don't know, man. You know, you got to start to sweat a little bit if you're those two guys about finding a spot on this roster. All of a sudden.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, you knew if you're Boykin Boykin and Miller, you you were like they were taking one, one." so it's a
1: competition for the last spot. Oh crap! They took. Two and mm. you can
0: assume Gunner's going to get a spot as well because of his special oh, teams. Uh,
1: but here is like, what if Calvin Austin the third is right, really good at it? Like the,
0: the point, the the thing to remember is, A B started off the same way. Deontay Johnson started off the same way, and they both stopped doing the punt return because they were too valuable. And Gunner's
1: never going to break through a ceiling where he'd be too valuable,
0: right? And you'd think, I mean, at least, I guess, never say never, but I think he made like a Pro Bowl or like a second team All Pro as a special teams guy one year. I could be totally wrong on that. Maybe he made like a special teams player of the week, like the AFC, because he had like a kickoff return for a touchdown. That could just be it. That's a big leap from specialty player of the week to a second team All Pro. So I don't, I don't think Gunner is gonna make it to that level. I mean, it'd be great if he did. But what I'm trying to say is I would love to see Calvin Austin be enough of a contributor to this offense where you don't want to risk him being on the special teams, right? So that's why I would say you would keep Deontay, Claypool, uh, and then your two rookies. And then Gunnar would have to take the fifth, I would believe.
1: I guess it would shake down that way. And Anthony Miller spent time on our practice squad last year. You know what I mean? And Miles Boykin wasn't exactly cutting the mustard in, in Baltimore either. So, like, I don't want this to think, like, oh, man, these guys were so great and now they're just out in the cold because look at how great and deep the Steelers wide receiver class is. No, I'm just trying to point out that. Just a few weeks ago it was so razor thin at this spot but we weren't panicking because we were we knew
0: you knew Kevin Colbert was going to he signed this. a free agent
1: and he, he picked up two draft picks i mean it's just it's clockwork you knew the, it was going to happen
0: for the first time I believe in his tenure as GM for the Steelers, he didn't select a wide receiver last year in 2021's <laughs> draft and he said i need to double down this year
1: to make up for it not
0: just double down by going one in like a top three round and then one again in like the sixth or seventh round he doubled down by going two in the top four rounds. Wasn't
1: over p- picking potential pass catchers either as he waited through the fifth round. I'm sure that was brutal for you fellows working the the broadcast on Saturday, just sitting there waiting for the fifth round <laughs> <to end laughs> as you go from the fourth to the sixth. But they go with Connor Hayward from Michigan State. Yeah. And if what you're you wondering about that? about that last name, yeah, that's right. I'm sure you already knew it's Steelers Nation, but just in case you didn't, that's Cam Hayward's younger brother. Michigan State, fullback, tight end, jack-of-all-trades kind of player that the Steelers brought in. And it's interesting because I like that pick if you don't have the other brother pair on your team, right? Like, Does it seem like... Derek Watt's already here, and Connor Hayward seems to do everything that Derek Watt would do. Now, they did list him as a fullback on some broadcast, but he's more of a tight end when he right. comes to the NFL. And he has to be tight end four on this team, right? I mean, unless he's going to beat out Raider, beat Gentry out for the number two spot. But unless you like him over Raider...
0: But we uh, sat here a couple weeks ago. Here's the other thing ago. that Connor
1: Hayward's going to do. He's going to play a lot of special teams, and he's going to
0: be that football player that Mike Tomlin loves and raves about all the time. And Well, that's why he loves Derek Waugh, too, because Derek Waugh is physical on the special teams. This team still has not gotten out and helped the the running back room depth chart. No. Do you
1: see them maybe going getting a, a legitimate running back to be the number two, and then moving on from like a Benny Snell still and having Connor Hayward kind of just slide into this weird like role as well. Not only third that, third back, I think would short have to- down yardage guy, but also I can play on the line
0: at the tight end. I can block. I mainly play special teams. Like if you want to do that and keep Derek Watt, I think you would have to move on from both Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland bring in one guy and lose both of them, right? And then you're just absolutely
1: kind of, depending on who your veteran would be, behind Najee and that veteran. I mean, you you got no real playmaking ability players as far as their speed and their, you know, Anthony McFarlane's so great out of the backfield with making people miss. But then again, I'm thinking, well, you have Calvin Austin now. Like, you have all these different weapons. And with what Shanahan and the Niners did to Debo Samuel this year, who's to say that... At Canada. Off Calvin Austin yeah. can't play at the running backs, line up in the backfield every once in a while, or, or a Chase Claypool can't line up in the backfield every once in a while. Like Maybe you break this this mold is being broken so much that you don't need to absolutely be pigeon-held into that where, oh, your running backs have to play running back. No, my wide receiver can be what Anthony McFarlane would have been. So I can keep these two beefy Watts and Haywards to help on short yardage and to help clear the, the lanes for Najee. I mean football changes so much every five six years maybe it's going through another change and this change is hey you don't necessarily need to have a position called running back you know these guys can catch the ball too you could uh, here's a better way to put it we've seen so many running backs become great wide receivers why can't you flip that equation around why can't good wide receivers become good running backs
0: I think we've seen that. We, we saw it twice last year with Cordero, Pat, Corderell, Cordero, Patterson. Great work. And, and Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel to the nth degree. Right. I mean, he's
1: the one that really, I think, break, but broke the mold.
0: Kind of before Debo really started to have his Patterson breakout year, Patterson, do, Patterson was doing it early on. And there's been other examples too of
1: this transition sure. made. Um, I can't remember his name, but the wide receiver for the Packers that just ended up becoming their running back for the rest Montgomery? of the year. Montgomery I think so because yeah. he kept wearing number eighty eight for the rest of right, the year and right. it just looked so weird, but they had no running backs. Like, so right. they were just like, We gotta put
0: our fifth wide receiver at running back. Wasn't he the guy that he was like, actually
1: kinda good though? Like, wasn't he the
0: guy that fumbled that kickoff return or punt return and a play and they lost that game because of it? I think you might be right yeah. about that. Out oh, great job bringing up for him.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, You're nailing it. You know your Packers you're number welcome. 88 obscure running back I wide do. receiver hybrids. <laughs> Final two picks of the draft before we wrap this up and get to labs. Number 250, 225 overall in the seventh round, Mark Robinson, a linebacker out of Ole Miss. Like taking that outside linebacker there. Obviously the book on him as well as everybody that's taken in the seventh round, you'll see this in their mock-up. They have a really high ceiling potentially. Well, he does played. 5'11", 235 pounds. Um, They do say he actually says his best fit is on the inside, but Brian Flores obviously didn't commit to putting him anywhere on this defense, and i got to be honest with you, Brian Flores wouldn't even commit to him probably even making the team right now because that's just the point of the draft that we're at. Yeah. And last year they took an outside linebacker, linebacker Quincy Roche, around this time. That was the sixth round, not the seventh round. And that was
0: someone who— everyone around Pittsburgh were saying, this guy's a, a steal. steal. This guy, I forget who the other Miami linebacker was who was taken last year, but people were saying, oh, Roche well, I, could I, have exactly. been better. It was
1: uh, Phillips, Rousseau. right? Wasn't it Rousseau? Oh, Rousseau, and Phillips Rousseau. was also taken yeah. to the Dolphins, too. But from...
0: people were saying, Roche could be the best Miami player coming out of this draft. <laughs> Although he did find a home with the New York he Giants did. this year. And it's not to say it's his fault for not having a great year in New York, because it's the Giants and they're garbage can of a, of a franchise right now. Two worst teams in the past decade has been the Giants and the Jets. I mean, and they have the exact there. same record, I, I know, believe. it's wild.
1: They're the dumpster of the NFL. <laughs> but uh, as opposed to last year where everybody was talking about Roche, it's kind of quiet on Robinson. So that means he'll probably make the team and actually contribute. Exactly. Because that's how it works. And then finally, the last pick was a little, huh? Like, you know how dogs hear a weird noise and they tilt their head to the side and look really confused? I was watching it and I saw a quarterback. Chris Oladaken out of South Dakota State, and I was so like... So what's
0: the point of this one? That's weird. Because didn't... They it...
1: like four arms in camp. I thought the fourth arm might have been a veteran. They want, decided to go the other way. They want as much youth in that room as possible. This guy's a zero threat, too. I mean, zero threat sure. To any of these other Sure, zero guys. threat, but also, wouldn't you be better... you watched the highlight package when he got drafted, yeah. right? Big guy that can move. I get it. I like that on my practice squad when I got to go up against Lamar Jackson all the time, when I got to go up against these Josh Allen, yeah, so of the world. Yeah, so you can prepare for it. Right. Sure, like, but...
0: I, I don't see him making the final 53, so what's...
1: You want him around. You want him on that practice squad. You want that kind of talent at your camp competing, and you were worried about him hitting the open market and having to get into a bidding war of sorts to get this random quarterback out of South Dakota State that you want. So you just say, hey, why not use this pick on him so that no other team has the choice or the option to bring this guy in to do what we want to do with him. Kind of like last year with Presley Harvin, you know, I think a lot of people said you could have just waited until the draft was over and signed Presley Harvin. Well, yeah, but then you might get in a bidding war with three other teams, and then all of a sudden you're trying to fight over some guy that didn't even get drafted. So you you probably sit in your war room if you're the Steelers and you're like, Do we need anybody else on this board? No. No one else available is that great. We can sign people here and there in the free agent signing period once this is over. I do like this all the guy though, you know? But I think tell he, me and why I'm probably butchering his name. I had so never sorry, heard but... this
0: guy's name before. Carson Strong you know there were the big names coming out of this quarterback not necessarily big but the the names people mentioned
1: because Carson Strong isn't this kind of quarterback though he's I a guess different so. kind of breed like, I he's guess so. a different kind of style and I think he's a style that's more conducive to helping you prepare for oh my god Josh Allen can throw the ball a mile but also run you over like he's a linebacker and okay. all Lamar is just going to break it. the pocket
0: I get it and again there's no threat Right. there's absolutely no right. threat from Carson Strong maybe they were. I don't, I don't think so but it's possible
1: I think some people would have at least fabricated some threats if it was Carson Strong. Well, people said he could have gone in the second round. Oh, no. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard, though. we come back, we are going to sit down with the man himself, Bob Labriola, and get his thoughts on the 2022 draft for your Pittsburgh Steelers, so make sure you tune into that. But for Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you next time on the Steelers Standard.